Welcome to another episode of Bullshit Bronchitis. We watch the Aussie films so you don't have to. Join Bill and I as we venture into the very heart of darkness that is the Australian film industry. Welcome, Bill. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to start this. Anyway, you can you can talk now, Bill. You are clearly present. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, there he is. Where have you been? Uh, middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, getting exploited. Excellent. Yep. That's what that's what I like to hear. Um. Sounds a little bit like Zach Efron. Ooh. Anyway, well, I don't know how to... We're not actually reviewing a movie today. We're just going to do a quick news recap and we'll get straight into it. We're going to review trailers, even though I hate this on YouTube. They're not trailer reactions. We're going to have a quick two cents on our thoughts on the following. Gold, The Tourist, Wolf Like Me, AMC's Firebite, and Christmas on the Farm. <laughs> Uh, they are all stand productions, original productions, besides AMC's Firebite. All right, Bill, let's go to, straight on to our good friend Gary Kenwood and Gold. Look at this! That's gold. We're just about a pile of gold! <laughs> what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Oh, bloody hell. Brutal, straight out the door. It looked pretty woeful. Because I was thinking, okay, so actually, before I get into gold, gold, the tourist, wolf like me, uh, and Christmas on the farm, besides Firebite, so all the others are Stan Original Productions, and did you notice one thing they all had in common? Um, Non-Australians being involved. Yeah, that's more or less the point I was going to get. So the lead actors were either non-Australians or essentially they're just overseas foreign actors who they can't do an Australian accent. So it's these weird, very iconic Australian locations with foreign <laughs> foreign accents. It just didn't look right. Mm. And mm. I just seemed, felt jarring. I think gold was the worst culprit for that. I don't understand how... You know, Anthony Hayes, actor, director, one of Australia's journeymen. You know, he's in nearly every Australian production of the last 15 years. I don't understand how you'd have him and directed by him and him putting on an American accent. And it seems to be, obviously, we haven't seen the film, only the trailer, but you see three people in the trailer. And one is Zac Efron, who's obviously American, speaking as an American. Mm. You've got... Gary Kenwood, our mate Anthony, putting on a pretty terrible, to be honest, American accent. Jeez. And then these these few months haven't made you any kinder, have they? No, they have not. And then the third actress, I didn't even bother to look her up, but she's got some sort of mongrel accent as well. Sounds like American Irish or something like that. I don't know. Well, actually, here we go. Gold that's coming out next year, twenty twenty two, Stan Original Production. Is that controversially actually... on? Invasion Day. Yeah, 
Shush, Jace, we're not going to get into that one. (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to say is, do you think that movie, like, obviously, we know it's an Australian production. It was filmed in South Australia, Australian money, cast and crew, besides old mate Zach. But is this meant to be set in Australia? Like, because Anthony Hayes and Zach both had American accents. Is this meant to be in Australia? That just has two Americans there? Or is this meant to be somewhere in a fictional America? I think it's meant to be somewhere in a fictional somewhere. It sounds like a from the, the little that they give you in the trailer, it sounds like it's supposed to be a, a post-apocalyptic Mad Max-ish sort of landscape. Don't bring, um, don't bring Mad Max into this. Mad Max was actually a good film. <laughs> yeah, and that's I think they're trying to ride on some coattails there. I, I don't understand. Like It sounds like there's a decline of civilization. They talk about people starting to turn on each other in the population centres or something like that. I don't know. The way they talk about being out west, it, it could be fucking anything. It could be like, you know, America's West Frontier, or it could be like we in Australia call over the west in a lot of the mining operations. But mm. there's a there's a weird dynamic at play. Uh, it leans towards post-apocalyptic for me. Yeah, for sure. But I was just wondering whether your thoughts are, is it set in Australia or is it set in America? I honestly think... It might be set somewhere else, if not America, somewhere made up. Yeah, if Anthony Hayes was doing an Australian accent, I'd be like, yeah, it's Australia. But to be honest, this this seems like a... Did you ever hear about the movie The Rover with Guy Pearce? Mm, Not sure. Same director as Animal Kingdom. I think this is a film he did two years or whatever after Animal Kingdom, David Michaud. And he made this thing, I think also set in South Australia, post-apocalyptic, you know, oils, you know, as valuable as gold and you had uh robert patterson and another american guy who were doing southern louisiana accents and mm. but guy pierce was aussie everybody else was aussie so you knew it was a some sort of post-apocalyptic fictional australia but for but you just had some american tourists and foreigners coming through to earn some money so it was set up in that vein but gold see i don't mind yeah. that i don't mind that dynamic and you see it played on in the tourist which we'll come to later um mm. like the whole foreigner fish out of water it comes in with michael Varton in rogue as well but is that yeah. does, does that lend itself to a bigger problem is that you know because we've talked about this before like if you get a big a lister or not even a big a lister b c d lister from the us or europe your movie will get greenlit the budget though is a different story you'll get a budget but you just don't know how big it is depending on the star but the issue is all these people can't do an Australian accent. So it always mm. seems fucking random why, uh, you know, an American would be somewhere out in South Australia doing, you know, whatnot. Like it's just it's this weird jarring thing where you just have all these actors who think they're so great, but they can't do a basic accent. Mm. Yeah. So that's the problem. Yeah. You've got all these foreign actors. Yeah, I don't know. It annoys me. Yeah. There's no way Zac Efron could... Uh, beat out an Aussie accent. Clearly, I bet they'd, they probably never even tried or even asked him. They just knew flat out, <laughs> don't ask him. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It seems like there's a very small cast in that movie. But rather than have Efron doing a bad Australian accent, which would have been one out of three or more that was probably acting poorer than normal, they went the other way and they made all the other cast do bad American accents and it's brought the whole level of the production down as far as i can tell mm. 
I couldn't really hear Anthony's accent, but I thought it was interesting though when they when you watch the trailer and it says from director Anthony Hayes, and I'm thinking he's only directed one other movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's only directed. And they did not mention that. Yeah, they didn't mention the name of the movie, and it was released ten plus years ago. And it was lukewarm on arrival and dead at the box office. So why, why, like he's not a draw card. Like Eric, we we both agree he's a great actor, but he's definitely not a draw card as a director. And outside of what you and me and fifty people who like Aussie films, like don't even put his name on there. You know what I mean? <clears throat> you might as well just say filmed in South Australia because people are like, oh, I've heard of South Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Even know. even to your layman, you know, like anyone who has any sort of appreciation or passion for Australian mm-hmm. films knows who Anthony Hayes is. But that's not an all-encompassing demographic by any means. Um, it's not. It's not a selling point. It's definitely not no. a selling point. No. My old man won't be sitting there thinking, you know what? I was going to watch that Tarantino film, but I'm going to watch this one because Anthony Hayes is a great director from <laughs> from from that one movie he did 12 years ago. This is one of those situations where they've named the director and ignorance only helps him. You know, if you have seen Anthony Hayes and what he's directed, mm. it wouldn't lend itself to people watching this film. That's gold. Well, I feel like this movie literally came about that Anthony Hayes is like, this is my magnum opus. This is how I'll be remembered. He wrote this script in 2010, a few years after the beautiful disaster that was 10 empty. And he said to himself, this is my magnum opus. 2010 blew past. And then he said, shit, nobody wants this script. 2011 came, nobody wants this script. 2012, I really believe in this project. I just can't find my leading man. Anyway, I'm not going to go through every single year. But then COVID happened. And then for some reason, a lot of American actors and whatnot migrated to Australia during this time. Bloody Matt Damon, Sasha Baron Cohen, Isla Fisher, who both of them live in Perth now for because her family's there. So a lot of random people came and said, hey, we want to live in Australia during COVID times. Anyway, so Zac Efron just shacks up with the Hemsworths in Byron Bay and picking up a few waitresses and cafes in Byron Bay and having a good old time. And Anthony Hayes is like, that's my leading man. I did write him as an Ocker Australian true blue man, but <laughs> I'll rewrite it for someone not in their 60s, not Australian, in their 30s, super jacked, super ripped, can't do an Aussie accent. But if we get them on board, we can green light this project. I guarantee you the production for this was about probably no more than 10 days. I reckon it was a quick shoot. Zac Efron got a few hundred K in his pocket. And that's, I reckon that's literally how it came about. This movie shouldn't have been made. It's just that Zac Efron, Zac Efron just happened to be in the country needing a bit of, he's, he's essentially a backpacker. It's like COVID happened. He's just backpacking around the country, needed a bit of, uh, you know, cash in hand sort of job. And South Australia and Anthony could uh, accommodate. Really frustrates me about the whole situation. Zac, I feel like. That Zac Efron is taking our women. <laughs> oh, there's that, but. I wasn't taking them in the first place. So, but I feel like the film, again, this is all speculation because we haven't watched the film. It's not released yet. But and we will watch I it. I feel like, yeah, we will. To that. Yeah, we will, unfortunately. Yes. I feel like the film would have been better if it was an all Australian cast, if it did lack a little bit of polish, if it did have that sort of roughness that 
that you appreciate in homegrown films, especially when it's set in a rough scenario like that. So the catch-22 there is if it was that, which Anthony Hayes has probably been trying to make for the last 10-plus years. Also, by the way, FYI, that was speculation, but it's probably true. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like like it wouldn't be made, or if it was made, hardly anyone would watch it. It would be like 10 empty all over again. So the necessary evil is to recruit your overseas leading man, your Zac Efron, and now... Not only is the film made, a lot more people are going to watch the film now than it would have without Zac Efron, but I feel like it's going to be a lesser film. That's true. Me as a bloke, I don't want to see this film, but me as a woman, I would say, does Zac Efron get his kid out? Does he get the rig out? But from what I can see in the trailer, there was no shots. If they wanted more people to watch this movie, there should have been a scene for whatever reason, he just takes his shirt off. And you can see those washboard abs. That, That would have got so many more people running to see this film Mm. me included um i feel like it's mad max meets the martian i don't Uh, appreciate uh, it no i'm gonna do you one better a far better reference how about the nugget starring eric banner and stephen curry meets the rover boom i haven't seen either of those films that's why you couldn't do that reference but anyway, The Nugget was like a comedy where three blokes, apparently based on a true story, Aussie filmers, they made into an Aussie film as well. And they discovered the world, the world's largest gold nugget. The Rover, it, this movie Gold seems like a very, very, seems like the same story as The Rover, but it had less than half the budget and everything. You could just tell this movie is, is so stripped back. There's like nothing to this film besides Zac Efron, you know, going crazy out bush you know this and you know might find out he's an unreliable narrator and you know is a nugget real and is it worth going crazy for over wealth and like it's such a stripped back film i don't think i could i don't know if i'll use the word stomach but i just don't think i could stand watching old mate efron for an hour plus by himself mm-hmm. in quotations thing, acting this is sort of getting away from the trailer as opposed to the implications of the film. But the other thing that went to my mind straight away, and I know it's all based on the tropes of, you know, the film industry and apocalypse movies in particular, but apocalypse 101, societal collapse, blah, blah, blah. Pretty much all currency loses its value. And so a giant fuck ton of gold probably isn't worth fuck all because there's no practical implications for it. You know, like what are they going to use gold for? Are you going to make some nice jewelry? No. Mm. I can see it going. I can go and see. I can see it 50 50 as a currency. But yeah, I do agree with you to some extent. Yeah. 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 It's just like, well, yeah, it depends on how post apocalyptic it is. Because if people need things that are very practical, like car batteries or water, then a gold nugget, who gives a fuck? <laughs> or bottle caps, as we learned from Fallout. But anyway, because, um, well, obviously we had a three-month-plus hiatus, but I knew this film was being made earlier on this year, and we just never got to a stage where I could bring it up in the podcast because it just wasn't relevant. But my question to you is simply this. We did bring it up in the podcast. 
Oh, very briefly. We didn't go into the particulars. But my only question is, if you ever get to meet Zac Efron or you ever get the opportunity to interview him for whatever random reason, I just want to ask this to Mr. Efron. So when you got the call about, do you want to do this film Gold, directed by Anthony Hayes, did you have a look at his filmography and did you watch his movie Ten Empty to entice you or to encourage you to accept this project did you watch 10 empty to appreciate the director's work and see what sort of style or direction he was coming from i just want to know that i just want to know if efron watched 10 empty just out of curiosity Mm. i'd like to i'd probably say probably not but he probably should have (laughs) yeah i feel like it's going to be one of those scenarios where he signed on to the contract before he watched the film and watched it at some point afterwards and he thought fuck what have i gotten myself into here and you know like we shit a lot on 10 empty but you know i actually do i did enjoy that film <laughs> i actually did enjoy i it. enjoyed two-thirds of it yeah we had we yeah, spoken about the, this. the first 30 minutes is fucking good it's like a real pressure cooker environment don't need to repeat it if you want to listen to it as episode three or whatever re-listen to that bad boy but yeah that's my one thing it's like did zach actually because it's like oh yeah you know when you hear about certain directors they the actors themselves normally watch a bit of their filmography so they can understand their direction and style and motivation but his filmography was one film so if zach didn't watch it then that he's pretty lazy he couldn't watch a fucking what a 90 100 minute film it's pretty pretty lazy on his part if he didn't do it and also if he did because i was going to say this whole year we had a few months hiatus but out of all the movies we watched this year the worst scene in a movie i've ever seen for all the movies we've seen had to come from 10 empty and that was the scene where whatever his name was daniel or whatnot rocked up to um lazy best's house yes 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 rocked up to mrs miss best's house and he was trying to whip his phallus out and drunkenly asking do you want to start a family (laughs) everything about that whole sequence is terrible the shooting the lighting uh there's no direction the camera the the composition of the shot is completely flat the acting's off not from blazy blazy is one of the best underrated talented actresses we've produced in this country but that other bloke Mm -hmm. one shot jono a bloody (laughs) yeah that that scene finished him but i was just wondering if zach efron was just sitting there having a bit of spliff thinking, what the fuck have I got myself into? Okay, what was your thoughts on Jamie Dorman in The Tourist? You've got like amnesia. Yeah. Mate, <laughs> that is awesome. Jamie Dornan, isn't it? I don't know, I don't care. Fifty Shades of Grey bloke. We'll just call him that. Fitty, Fitty Shades. Fitty Shades of Jamie. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually really excited to watch this. I thought the trailer was great. Hmm. See, I'm going to take the other stance. Um, like, to be honest, the trailer was cut together really well. The trailer was really engaging. The only thing I'm a bit concerned about is just the tone. At, at some of the, well, because the cinematography was, like I was saying with gold, but this time around, the cinematography was spot on, extremely beautiful, well composed. And some of the shots looked quite, uh, what's the word, quite dramatic, that it seemed like it's going to be a very serious drama. But then every now and again, it sort of had a bit of, not silliness, but it was a bit lighthearted and tongue-in-cheek. A bit of levity. Yeah, and I just wonder if they're going to be able to 
it's it's a really hard tone to balance like serious dramatic action and you know yeah humorous moments yeah i think well the the place my mind went straight to was uh wanted with rebecca gibney seems like a similar dynamic sort of on the run from the powers that be whether that's the law or the crooked crims or whatever else and um that managed to do that pretty well there's a lot of serious action and drama and a lot of levity throughout mm. it seems like there's a few parallels between those stories yeah I, I think the only thing like gold and with this film here well actually it's a tv show tv series i wonder how long the episodes are whether they're going to be 30 minutes or the full hour that would be interesting to see how that pans out i reckon that'd be the full hour surely well if it's got more of a comedic tone then i'd say trim it back a bit don't make it a full hour if it's got a bit of a comedy to it comedy element but to be honest i'm like i, I watched the trailer on stan oh no, no there's the full trailer and then there was a you know the executive producer spoke about and all this and he opens up like oh we've never seen anything like this before a man driving down a road in the outback and, and i thought oh, no i'm gonna stop you there <laughs> we have seen this a million fucking times and then, oh, he gets hit by a truck like Jewel, Steven Spielberg's Jewel from 1975, bloody 50, 60 years ago. I'm like, none of this is original. He gets amnesia. I don't know. What's that franchise? Oh, yeah, The Born Identity. I'm like, there's nothing. Like, the only thing that's original is stealing all these ideas and chucking them in South Australia. That's the only thing that could be slightly original about this uh, premise. That's That's my only thing that I'm hesitant about is that there's just, there's no originality to it. And and I'm tired of shit being set in the middle of nowhere where 99% of Australians don't even live. Stop setting shit there. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. You look I, outside of Sydney and that's where 99% of Australians don't live. Yeah, pretty much. And what, what, what percentage, what, what crazy stat is it? Like 90% of Australia's population lives on the little sliver that is the East Coast. It's something as mm. high as that. So most Aussies, A, don't even go to SA, let alone, let alone go to Adelaide. So stop setting shit here and stop making out that so many people live in like Unadatta. <laughs> like nobody lives there anyway. There's a roadhouse. So mm. I don't know. That's, that's my gripe because there's only two types of films we seem to make. The Outback Story, which is this one, or urban, you know, suburban dysfunction. There's no sort of in-between and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I've seen too much Aussie stuff, but this this show generally looks well-made and well-paced and well-executed. So I think it probably will end up being okay, but I'm just sick of just the same shit. <laughs> well, my, my counterpoint is, and I don't have examples that come to mind, but I know they're out there. There are things that are made in that in-between that are just in Australian cities, but my argument is that that makes them inconsequential. You know, it could just be any other city, but mm. what they're going for is the iconic visuals of the outback, which we've seen a lot of people go for and fail with. Um, old, what's her name? Jasmine, is it Jasmine Karakan or whatever her name was? Uh uh, was it Jessica or Jasmine? I can't remember now. We'll just say Cactus. Jasmine, Carrican, oh, no, Ewan, Ewan, Ewan Carrican. Cactus Carrican. Cactus yeah, Carrican. That, <laughs> that tried and failed. That's 
you know, like we spoke about in the review, a lot of people romanticize the iconic outback without an understanding of it. And you see all these productions that just don't connect because of that. There's a disconnect there. I'm hoping this does all right. But... Yeah. But once again, like I said, leading man, he clearly can't do an Aussie accent. Not that he's trying, but you could just tell he, they, in pre-production, they're like, oh, Jamie, can you do an Aussie accent? And then he probably mm. mumbled out some half-baked British thing. And they thought, okay, you'll be Irish. <laughs> On the plus side, it looks like the tourist owns it. Like it's in the name. Um, it's tied into the story from the snippet you get in the trailer. It seems like there's a bit of a bit of a worldly aspect to it that, you know, he's from Ireland. He's got ties in with, I saw some Swedish or Danish names in there. There's Americans tied into it as well. So it's got a, a globally connected aspect to it, which is it's in the DNA of the production. So it's not just like an out of place Irishman that's not explained. Yeah, yeah, I'll accept that. That's that's good justification. But most of the time, like I said, it's quite jarring when yeah, whatever. I don't know. There should be a name for it, like in a foreign actor who can't do an Aussie accent, like besides a shit actor. <laughs> or not a very versatile actor but surely there has to be something that's sort of vernacular because there's been so many Australian movies made now where the lead actor can't do an Australian accent mm. and like they're not saying they, they're trying to they just outright refuse to and they're just saying oh you're this now <laughs> just because we can't we've got to write into the script because you're not capable of doing one surely there's got to be a name so. the Tarantino effect what's the Tarantino effect from Django Unchained. You be damn blacky, we're not bandits. Get it out. What these jokers do again? Shut up, black. You ain't got nothing to say, I want it. The fuck are you talking about? Oh, Jesus. That's like, I don't know. That's, that's what I mean, though. So that, yeah, okay, we'll call the Tarantino effect. And But that's when an actor's trying to do an Australian accent and failing just miserably uh so and that's why like you got the producers they look at the actor and they're doing a tarantino australian accent and they're just thinking nah fuck this there's no way this cannot see the light of day so they're just saying yep you're irish you're english you're american you're canadian you're whatever anything but australian so yeah so we, okay so we will coin the term tarantino effect for when a foreign actor tries to do an australian accent and it's just completely terrible get it out but what's, yeah. the, what's the term we could use for when you just have a foreign actor who just says, no, nah, I'm going to be foreign in this. Even if the script says he has to be Australian, they just, they just rewrite it so he's foreign. What's, what, we could have come up with a term for that, for sure. Laziness? It is laziness and probably not. Probably don't have the versatility as an actor to do it. For a Aussie production, the trailer was really good. It was punchy to the point, got its message across, didn't dilly-dally and... Uh, yeah, it's something that I'm somewhat looking forward to. Mm. Solid trailer, really good trailer. And worth saying, quite a good trailer for a series. You'd expect a, a trailer of that quality to be a film almost. Mm. Yeah, you could see how this could easily be a film. So that's why I'm saying like how many episodes, like six, eight, 30 minutes a pop, we'll find out. Anyway, so I think overall, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. That's gold. So the next, like we're doing like a stan-a-thon. It just, it just seems like Stan stands very dedicated to making Australian productions. So good on them, but we'll still shit on them if the quality is not there. 
What I was going to say is, uh, yeah, the next one, Wolf Like Me. How did your husband die? Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect either. Thoughts. Well, actually, hold on a second. Before we go into it, what was your trailer? Was your trailer only 30 seconds? Yeah, I could only find a teaser. Okay, cool. Okay, what are your thoughts, Billiam? Hardly worth discussing, to be honest. The trailer gives you fuck all. Mm. It seems it seems well made for sure, and there's a bit of mystery to it. Uh, but once again, I don't think Isla Fisher, who is an Australian, is even doing an Australian accent. And mm. Josh Josh Gad, I highly doubt he could do an Aussie accent. So, like, this is what I mean: is this like an Australian in quotation production, but the narrative is set in the US? Because that's what it that's what it felt like to me. That's what it felt like to me too. But if you just Google "wolf like me," it comes up with like a one paragraph blurb. It says, widower Gary lives in suburban South Australia with his 11-year-old daughter, Emma, both struggling to connect. One day, Gary and Emma's car is hit by Mary, a stranger who helps Emma after she suffers a panic attack. So, so hold on. So how many, man, South Australia is kicking some pretty big goals. So gold, the tourists, wolf like me, all filmed in South Australia. Firebite. Firebite filmed in South Australia. Uh, Christmas on the farm. Who gives a shit? That looks so terrible. <laughs> that looks like New South Wales to me. Yeah, that's definitely not SA from any stretch. But um, yeah, so SA, yeah. South Australian Set in South Australia. Yeah. But I would not have gathered that a single, like not at all from the trailer. It looked like just set in America. Isla Fish is playing an American. And what's his name? Josh Gad, American. And not enduring at all, if you ask me, but that's just me. Josh Gad, not a fan. Well, he's just he's just been a supporting cast member, really. He's never really led anything, as far as I'm aware, in the TV and film lands- landscape. Well, the only role that I actually remember him in was he was in New Girl with Zoe Deschanel. Oh, yeah. Playing a very minor character that calls himself Bear Claw and he's just obnoxious and pun- trying to punch above his weight. Obviously not succeeding, but it looks like in Wolf Like Me, he might succeed because Isla Fisher is above his weight. Oh, obviously, yeah. But yeah, that's what I mean. So it's weird. Yeah, it's funny. I read the same blurb as you just said. And, I'm, and yeah, I'm thinking too, they make the city look generic I'm assuming so suburban South Australia, which means Adelaide. Adelaide. <laughs> That's the only suburban area. Like, you know, you've got some smaller towns, but they're small towns. They're not an actual suburban area. But like, yeah, their accents are American. Nothing, nothing about it at all. It doesn't have to scream Australia or Australiana, but there's there's no way. You you that looks like that could be in Oregon or that could be in the U well, maybe some parts of the UK. But yeah, you just Anyway, this is what I mean. So all these new productions coming out of Stan and filmed in SA are very, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, it's it's not easily identifiable where it is set. Like, is it set in Australia or is it just, or is, it, or is Australian productions just pumping out American content now? Well, that's one thing that, it's one of my little gripes as well. And we brought it up in 10 Empty because 10 Empty was set in Adelaide as well. Mm-hmm. But if you if you hadn't, read that you wouldn't know that because they don't use any of the iconic landmarks of the area in the locations at all i think there might have been like a two second glimpse of the westpac building but that was it now 
and I think that's it. That's it. They've they've done that on purpose. I'm not saying, oh, you need this big sweeping helicopter shot of Adelaide CBD, but fucking hell, like if they go to, I don't know, the coffee shop, or they go to church, or they go to somewhere, just show a somewhat easily identifiable building of that city or state, just so it gives people some bearings of where they actually are, because that is important. You need to know where your characters live, besides just mm. some sort of generic suburban world even from you know a tourism point of view look we mentioned south australia's got a few productions coming up why wouldn't they use that as a vehicle to advertise their state and and i'm not saying it has to be didactic and it has to be like thrown in your face or anything like that but like you said just a few little identifiable locations here and there like if you're filming in sydney you show the the sydney harbour or the harbour bridge in the background if you're filming in Adelaide, um, I don't know what the fuck you jump. John Bunting's old place. I don't know. Um, North, North Salisbury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, but no, you know, it, but you can be clever no about as it. an example, you, it was set in the northern suburbs of Adelaide. For mm-hmm. a lot of the, for the most part, you wouldn't know that. But even mm-hmm. as an Easter egg for locals, when they're driving out to Snowtown, you see those salt pans in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, near Salisbury just something like that which grounds it to people you know mm. yeah and I, I think it gave it that element of uh, this desolate vibe mm. but anyway yeah with like me to be honest I was intrigued by the trailer but it is a very short teaser trailer um yeah. does, doesn't give away much at all and it's a tv show not I a movie and yeah the most intriguing shot out of that because anything else from that could be you know your your stamp pad carbon copy drama rom-com-esque kind of thing but the most intriguing shot out of that trailer is where you've got josh gad and he pulls open like the little the slidey door like they have on cells and looks through it and then he's startled by something that had me wondering about it after i'd watched it but that's the only thing otherwise i would have watched that trailer and not even thought about it twice i, I would not be in a hurry to go and watch it no, not no, yeah. I, I guess that's probably a good way of putting it. Just obviously because this is a podcast about Australian cinema and television, would we have any interest in this if it wasn't Australian? I don't know. Maybe if it was a longer trailer, maybe. But like I said, firstly, the only actually this is the last thing I want to say about this, and then we'll move on. But why the fuck is Josh Gad in this TV show? Hmm. <laughs> like, As a leading man, no less. Yeah, a leading man, uh, you know, because he's such a big, uh, he's such a such a handsome gentleman. He's a big love interest for a lot of women. Yeah, <laughs> like what's go, what's actually going on here? Um, he's trying to be the new Kevin James, but taking a serious route. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, whatever he's trying, like, it's going to fail. Yeah, so I don't understand why this just couldn't be an Australian cast, unlike the, unless there's some weird thing where he's like an American who's lived in Australia for five years or some dumb bullshit. But if um, I think this, I reckon the show would have been much better off. Like the qualities looks great, but if they just had a uh, two leading Australians, and I know Isla Fish is Australian, but to be honest, like she's been doing the US stuff for 15, 20 years now, so. And she's just come and she's just coming home now because let's just let's admit that the uh, the roles aren't being thrown at her these days, or I don't think they ever were, but you know what I mean. I really don't want to spend anything longer than thirty seconds on this, but what was your thoughts on the on the full official trailer for Christmas on the Farm? 
I'd watch it. Bullshit. I'd watch it. It looks like fun. Nah, you're, you're gaslighting me again. I, I would go in not expecting a great movie, but I would watch it. I, I, I don't know if... I don't, maybe it's too late, but I just don't... Are you, are you... I can't tell if you're pulling my leg or not. It looked like fun. That's all I'm going to say about it. It looks like fun. Bill, Billy, Bill, what's going on here? <laughs> what? It, the movie looks like utter, utter filth. Utter fun filth. Oh, mate. This, you know, I'll tell you what, why this movie offends me so much. It's because, and you know, this is what we're talking about, having, you know, all these foreign uh, actors as the leading men and women of our films, is that I feel like our the Aussie culture is completely erased in a lot of these productions. It's just like, oh yeah, we do the, you know, the nuts and bolts, but the the stories we're telling is completely Americanized. They're completely just, yeah, the, the Aussie culture aspect of it has just been put in the meat grinder and every facet of it has just been, all the sustenance has just been taken away. You got to admit, it looks fun though. I know if you should, fucking joking with me or not it looks first besides my rant it looks horrific it looks so shit why because i just said well like the cultural reasons but also it looks like your really terrible american hallmark movie that's just painfully generic in every single way and even in the trailer the tone just it just seemed cheap and crap and well, there was no, there was no really jo- any jokes. The only thing that was funny was the, um, you know, the gay guy trying to do, I don't know, assuming Crocodile Dundee. That's the only bit I had a cheap giggle at, but the rest. I had a was, cheap giggle where she was trying to milk the cow at the end, and she said, "Oh, I'm not getting anything out." And the gay guys are like, "Ah, oh, that's why you're single." <laughs> nah, that was that fell flat for me. No good. Okay, now I think she's an Australian, but that lead actress is Poppy Montgomery who was one of the leading uh, female actresses in Without a Trace. Remember that show? I never watched it. I remember it being around. I think I've watched the first season or two. Like, I was pretty young when it came out and, you know, had old mate, also another Aussie, Anthony LaPaglia in the lead. But I think Poppy was an Aussie as well. Now, the only thing I'll say about this absolute filth of a film, because it looks, I just, I just, everything about it offends me. And I'm so, I'm so surprised you think it looks like fun. I don't know what's happened to you. <laughs> I was going to say is, did you find that there's something weird about Poppy's face? Like, yeah, she's an older woman, but did it just look off in the sense that she's just clearly done too much surgery to it? Yeah, I had a bit of that. Like it wasn't and just if, a... you'd, if you'd seen Poppy Montgomery when she was younger, you'd mm. see that she's she's holding on to the past a bit there. Yeah, because like she looked like a normal person and without a trace. And now, like besides her busted ass lips, but her face, like her cheeks and her forehead, everything just looked just distorted and not natural in any capacity. You see, there's there's mutton dressed as lamb, mm. and then there's mutton that's scun the face of a lamb and wore it Hannibal Lecter style. And that's almost what she's got to there. 
Yeah, it's, that's real scary stuff when you've just done too much. Well, a, don't do any surgery, but B, you've done all the surgery and now you're getting older and you just look munted. You just don't, she doesn't look right. <laughs> like unless unless her character needed to have had plastic surgery or botched or this and that, if it was central to the plot, then hire her. But now she just, she looks a bit scary that her mm. face just doesn't, it's like I said, yeah, she's, she's wearing the lamb's skin as a face. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That's good. I like that. Um, but like norm, normally we don't go on about people's appearances, but if it's too distracting from the narrative you're telling, then it's important. I don't think it'd be distracting to the narrative, but well, she's meant to be yeah, like, she, she's meant to be a New York yuppie, whatever, older yuppie, yeah. unmarried, whatever. So I guess it sort of fits the bill, but I don't know. I just I just found it very distracting. <laughs> sort of like you know, imagine if you did a period a period piece of you know nineteen twenties Victoria, and you had old mate Poppy Montgomery rock up, you'd be thinking she just does not look right. <laughs> yeah, but regardless of if anything else, like the, the plot of the film where she's supposed to pose as her you know, salt of the earth country farm running mother. She doesn't fit the bill for that. Not at all. So. She's probably, to be honest, ever since Without a Trace, which was filmed in New York, I think it was, well, it was definitely set there. Like you can tell she's, after that show wrapped up 10 years ago, she's still been living in that city. You can just tell there's nothing Australian about her at all. That like the essence mm-hmm. and the culture has just been sucked out. And she's I'm pretty sure she's she's billed as an Australian American actress. Like a there's a slash there. Oh yeah, let's do a quick Google of her. No, she's born in Sydney though. Hmm. So she is Dinky Dialsy. Does says does say Australian American actress. I wonder if that's she says that because um she's probably got a what's it called, American citizenship. Probably, yeah. Let's find out where she lives. Probably not Australia. Yeah, so Without a Trace ran from 02 to 2009. Well, her her run did anyway. God, bloody hell, she's a fucking wild child. Have you have you read her early life? Nope. Oh, she must come from privilege for sure. It says Montgomery dislikes school, being expelled from six private academies. <laughs> fucking hell. So she got expelled from six private academies before finally dropping out at the age of 15 to pursue stage acting and to travel around Bali with her then boyfriend at 15. Holy shit. I'd be so disowned by my money, family money, if money, I did money, that. Money. Well, he must, he must have had money. It doesn't say who he was, but she emigrated to the US at 18, arriving in Florida to meet a boyfriend whom she'd never met when he was an exchange student. Who is this person? After how, five, wait, how old is she? She's 49. When did she move to meet the boyfriend she never met? Well, there's this two bits here. When she was 15, she was going to go to Bali with her then boyfriend. Then when she went to the US at 18, she arrived in Florida to meet, I'm assuming, a different guy, a boyfriend whom she'd never met when he was an exchange student. Okay, so how oh sorry 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 i fucking i got fucked up i said no to meet a boyfriend whom she had met when he was an exchange student my apologies she's not gonna say she's not that crazy this is before internet chat rooms and all the rest or in the very early early stages Mm. she must have had a i was thinking she must have had a pen pal or something but 
it makes sense that he was an exchange student. To be anyway, there. let's just say it was very short-lived. After five days, she realised that she couldn't stand him and took a bus to Los Angeles to pursue an acting career. It sounds like something she wrote herself. <laughs> it, it, it does. Is that on Wikipedia? It. There's a chance she did write it herself. <laughs> Hey, to be honest, like some some actresses and actors are such narcissists, it really wouldn't surprise me <laughs> that they write their own wiki. I think I don't want to get this wrong though. Now, have you ever heard the story about Babe, the the film? Yeah, there's this pig and it can talk to the sheep. That is correct. That How, however, you're like, what does Babe, the, the theatrical release of Babe in 1995 have to do with Poppy Montgomery writing her own Wikipedia page? <laughs> and apparently, so George Miller, who created Mad Max, was one of the producers or executive producers on Babe. He didn't actually direct it. The guy who directed was some bloke called Chris Noonan. And even though the end product turned out really well, like Babe, I think, got nominated for a few Oscars. I think it even won a few Oscars. It was like very well received, huge box office, but there was a huge spat between George Miller and Chris Noonan. And I think someone else and Chris Noonan, like this is the mid nineties, right? So picture the mid nineties and Chris Noonan was claiming that George Miller, the director of Mad Max was going on to like movie chat forums and writing, purposely writing bad reviews about him <laughs> and uh, creating these websites that were anti him and all this. Mm. <laughs> and there's, there's some like brutal quote from George Miller. I, I can't say it verbatim, but he pretty much said, we gave that film to Chris on a silver platter and he still nearly managed to fuck it up or something. And he is essentially that his, his thing that he said was something about how ungrateful Chris was because George and all these people allegedly, you know, brought all the money together, did all the animatronics, did all this and all Chris had to do was show up. So mm. like, who knows what side is true, but I always thought that was a pretty funny spat in babe. Anyway, so Montgomery writing her own Wikipedia page. Pretty sad, eh? Yeah. All speculation. Yeah, allegedly. Everything we say on this podcast is allegedly. Want to get through this? Let's go! And also, man, listen, do you want to know what her full name is? It's, it's, a very it's a very pretentious name. Her full name is Poppy Petal... Emma Elizabeth Devereux Donahue. Mm. Wow, what oh, a poppy petal. What a pretentious name. Yeah. Okay, so she was one of six children, and her parents named all their daughters after flowers Poppy, Rosie, Daisy, Lily, and Marigold. And their son, Jethro. I guess that's sort of flower. <laughs> Jethro. I like Jethro Tull. Yeah, yeah. So after the rock band, that's what it says there, yeah. Uh, I guess I named my daughter. Well, it wasn't really after a flower. It was more after colour, but what can you do? Anyway, we fucking banged on way too long about Poppy. <laughs> yeah. But she had it coming, to be honest. She did. She looks like fun. Did you watch the trailer for the second? With Vince Colosimo. Colosimo, yeah. We we should review that film because that was actually 
History in the Making, because it was the first original feature film that Stan produced hmm. and made for their streaming service. But clearly it didn't take to anyone because I don't hear anyone talking about that film. I hadn't heard of it until I searched Stan trailers and I realised it was released three years ago. Yeah, it was the first one that they did, but it was like Vince Calissimo in a love triangle with these two, two well, I was going to say older ladies, but they were the same age as him, really, so they're all old. It gave um, me some sort of like Wild Things vibes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a slow-burning drama with no payoff. That's gold. Where's not a pile of gold? This is what I should have mentioned when you were talking about gold. Did you know, because when we reviewed Ten Empty earlier this year, we couldn't find it on any streaming services. You couldn't purchase it on Google Play, couldn't get it JB Hi-Fi, and we had to watch it from Anthony Hayes' own uh, Vimeo, Vimeo channel. However, I was, ha- I was having a scroll through uh, Stan, and Ten Empty is on Stan at the moment. Actually, maybe there's a connection because Stan is funding gold. I wonder if the only condition Anthony Hayes had (laughs) was like, if you're going to make this movie, you have to permanently have 10 empty on your streaming servers. (laughs) Otherwise, I walk. Yeah, I would have let him walk. (laughs) Because, like I said, we, we reviewed it earlier this year. It was not on Stan, Netflix, Amazon. It was on no streaming services. So mm. I reckon that would have been a condition that if he made that film, 10 Empty had to be on Stan, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's enough of that. So our last thing we're going to... AMC's Firebite. Also filmed in South Australia because apparently mm-hmm. the South Australian Film Corporation is the most powerful state film office in the country, it seems like. Yeah. Well, definitely the most fruitful, just smashing out productions. So um, what was your uh, thoughts on, I don't know if we watched the same trailer, but I watched the full length one. What did you think of Firebite? And be be honest. I am also excited for this one. Bullshit. Yeah, I am. I went in completely expecting not to be. Oh, man. Um, but it looks fun. It does. No, it doesn't. It does not look fun. Yeah. What's going on here? So we've got polar opposite views on Christmas on the farm and Firebite. My, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I still think it you're... looks. Well, what I was saying before about, um, you know, some places you're complaining that they don't celebrate the culture or um, they don't show off the iconic sort of landmarks or of the shooting locations and everything like that. I think it's nailed all the right places in that, you know, it looks like I would imagine it's filmed around Cooper Pedy. You've got the, the opal mining sort of backdrop and then you've got the, the novelty of the whole vampire subculture injected into that. And it looks like good fun. Um, It looks like a good, Australian twist on a vampire series or or whatever. You've sold out, Bill. You've sold out. <laughs> Actually, How could you tell me that doesn't look fun? 
it doesn't. It doesn't look in any capacity like fun. And I'll tell you why. No, but all the points you mentioned just before, like uh, those were my gripes with all these other productions. So yeah, they do like, yeah, at least it's, you know, quote, dinky die Aussie. You know, there's actually Aussies front and center. Everybody's got Australian accents. So that's nice. So, you know, they hit the mark there. But at the end of the day- Not only Australians, First Nations Australians. Oh, well, they're still Australians. Anyway, but um, I know what you mean. But uh, what I was going to say is, yeah, so yeah, so it ticks the right boxes there for actually having Australian accents and Australian actors front and centre. And yeah, they probably show a bit more of the iconography off of the, the landscapes around there. But the quality just does not look there. I'd say the cinematography was pretty, pretty disgusting in comparison to the tourist. Whoever they had for the tourist was very sharp, very professional. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to shoot in the outback, but Firebite cinematography looked just not right, did not look good. Uh, no color grade, which it just looked awful. Uh, yeah, that's racist. No, I'm not talking. <laughs> hey, I don't see color. I don't see color. I'm colorblind, mate. No, uh, yeah, the, there's no color grade. Everything didn't look right. The shadows and textures, everything. It didn't look professional. And to be honest, the the writing didn't seem good, and the acting the acting seemed terrible. The line deliveries were terrible, and the action sequences looked horrendous. So I didn't get any of that. Yeah, I got all of that. But I think there's there's a certain level like you can't. You can't go into every TV series expecting that it's going to have the, the production budget or the production values of a HBO series, you know? Well, this is AMC. And, AMC made Mad Men, Breaking Bad, The Walking hmm. Dead. So they're not, they're, they're not your HBO budgets for sure. But I also think, like, The Walking Dead's a good example because you've got the vampires versus the zombies, right? Um, but you look at The Walking Dead and it was... It was a refreshing take on the zombie experience that found its own niche audience. Was it um, a refreshing take? <laughs> I think it was, yeah, because I think the the demographic that Firebite might be going for are your sort of like horror film junkies, the the B grade horror films with you know like a little bit of the goofy humor and violence and whatever else. I think that's the demographic that they're targeting. I don't think it's a a failing of the production team or the the cast. I think it's intentionally what they've gone for. Yeah, well, I got to admit, I'm a, I'm a bit of a snob for B grade. I love horror, but B grade horror, just that schlocky crap. I just can't mm. stand. I don't, I don't think Firebite is. And it's not for everyone. B-grade. It's a sort of horror that Club Dread satirizes. You know. Yeah, Club um, Dread. That's a good film. I love it. Mm. Anyway, so Firebite, not looking forward to it all, looks terrible. I just think it's just looks poorly executed in every single way. Not looking yeah. forward to that one. Um, the only well, thing, I, the only thing, I, the only positive I'll say, I did like the set design for. There's like there's a shot where in there in this room and there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, skulls. The skulls, yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was well done. It was good. It was nice set design. If I was to sort of compare the five trailers that we just watched gold i went in thinking this might actually be good and it looks shit house to me mm-hmm. firebite 
I went in thinking this is going to be a shit house, and it actually surprised me. It looks decent. The tourist, I went in thinking it's going to be good, and it looks good to me. Mm. Christmas on the farm, I didn't expect much. I was happy with not much. It looks like just inconsequential fun. There's a lot of consequences then, with that fun. <laughs> and then there's Wolf Like Me. And honestly, I, I find it hard to form an opinion because the trailer was, the teaser was that short. Mm. It's, it didn't give you much at all. It's interesting they haven't given a full-length trailer when I think it literally yeah. comes out next month, like in a few weeks. So, Yeah, and, and I understand that trailers are supposed to to get you to watch the movie without giving you any of the plot points or key points or twists or anything like that. But, like, we, we both read that same blurb before and the blurb is only one to two sentences and you get more out of that one sentence than you do out of the whole 30-second trailer without still, I don't imagine, getting any spoilers. So I think that was a bit of a flop for a teaser for me. That's what the spoiler was. It was in South Australia or suburban yeah. South Australia, i.e. Adelaide. <laughs> it's going to be like the village. They think they're living in America, but they were in South Australia the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think overall, like I said, it just feels like always more of the same. Uh but um, uh, to be honest, Firebite, I don't know what sort of budget they had, but it really looks low-grade student film sort of uh, quality. And if it was a student film, I'd be like, yeah, this looks awesome. You've done a great job. If it was like an indie indie um, production, I'd be like, yep, thumbs up. But this is like AMC. It just seemed a very low standard for such a, you know, reputable international, you know, channel. And I just feel like Firebite was purely greenlit because AMC is trying to take a bit of the streaming market share in Australia, hmm. which is fine. Fair enough. At least they're investing in local productions. So, and I think the I don't know much about him, but the lead guy in Firebite as well as a guy called Robbie Collins, who I think apparently he's from the territory. I think he is. I don't know. I don't know much about him. I'd have to do a quick Google. Hmm. What's Robbie Collins up to? But see, I don't know. Like this might have also resulted in the, the difference in our opinions. AMC means fuck all to me. I don't think I've watched a lot of AMC shows. If I have, I haven't really known them as AMC shows. So I had no expectations just on that it was AMC's Firebite. Mm. Yes, yeah, it looks like fun. Well, apparently my good mate Robbie Collins is a fellow uh, fellow Darwin boy. Mm. Says he was born in Darwin. So there we go. A little bit older than me, but uh, good on him. Well, Firebite does have an IMDb page and it already has a rating at 4.4 out of 10. Whoa, on IMDb? Mm. Fuck, that's low. And that's probably what I'd rate it <laughs> from what I've seen. But like the first two ratings that you see for episode one, um, which were both last week, uh, 8.5 out of 10. Mm. That's the same one twice. Uh, he's been in a few little movies, but he seems mostly in TV shows. He's done a bit of stage, so he must must know what he's doing. Fucking hell. Look at the, the voting demographic for Firebite. 136 users have given it a weighted average vote, 4.4 out of 10. Oh. 21 voters out of 136 gave it 
10 out of 10. Only four gave it nine, 10 gave it eight, 11 gave it seven, eight gave it six, 16 gave it five, seven for four, eight for three, 11 for two, and 40 voters out of 136 gave it one out of 10. Fuck, that's bad. And IMDb is normally pretty mid-range. It's normally they just give a seven, a seven or a six to everyone pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's because like the acting, it's just, I don't know what tone they're going for, but yikes. But I would imagine that most of the people watching it for straight up would have been, oh, AMC's got a new show. I'm going expecting another Breaking Bad Batman or some shit. But you will not get this. Is, does not look like a Breaking Bad. <laughs> the title of the first review, there's 10 user reviews on there. The title of the first review is Woke Rubbish. Yeah, I, I did have a sense of that when I was watching the trailer. But the, yeah. uh, you, you can only, like, you know, we haven't seen it, so I'm not going to speculate. But uh, all been done before. You'll recognize virtually every aspect from some other TV series. Then there is the boohoo rubbish to suit the lefty wokes. Really boring. <laughs> a waste of Australian talent. Did you write that? I might have actually. When was that? 17th of December. Man, this guy is pissed off. That was only a few days ago. <laughs> I don't know. What's what's worse? One out of 10 stars and the article's called Woke Rubbish or five out of 10 stars and it's called Only Okay. <laughs> why, does, why does Only Okay seem far more... <laughs> severe than woke rubbish <laughs> yeah well woke rubbish sounds like he's got an axe to grind only okay sounds like a really indifferent opinion it seems like did you see it seems like the person's been hurt <laughs> did you see the one underneath uh, show is so bad that it is boring they invest so much money to, into brainwash and to accept illegals despite fact there is legal way for anyone to enter any country that everything else is important for a successful show, acting effects, emotions is left behind forgotten. Sounds like just an angry Trump voter. Mm. Just another PC propaganda. Oh, I, can, I don't know. Like I said, besides some of those. Uh, the cast is like 80% Aboriginal Australian. How is that about illegals? I don't know. We'll have to watch the show to find out. <laughs> Maybe they think the Aboriginal people migrated from Indonesia or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to I think watch. He's... Mm. What about this? So listen to this title. Five out of 10 stars. Grateful in the background when you're doing the laundry. God, trust me. This, this show. That's my worst. That kind of like consumer is my worst nightmare. I hate that kind of consumer. Like if you're going to watch a show, fucking watch it. Don't put it on the background. Don't flick through your iPad. Don't play fucking Candy Crush while you're trying to watch a show. I'd just as soon not watch the fucking thing. Well, so far, what we can gather from these few reviews, I don't feel like this is going to get it renewed for a second season. Because, like, it's a shame. Well, don't say it's a shame just yet. You haven't seen it. No, but it, it is a shame, regardless, because make better make better stories or ex make better yeah. executions of stories. Regardless of the story of or of the execution of the story. It's good to see something that was on, like, it's an AMC show. It's on the world's radar, filmed in South Australia. And somewhere that's visually South Australia, like around Cooper or the Dardanelles or whatever else is around there. It's um, a shame. 
well, I'm only speculating. I tell you, here we go. Here's a review. One out of 10 stars. And the title of the uh, news review is, oh, sorry, the TV review is Promotes Child Abuse, Full Stop, Bad Writing and Editing. <laughs> so I didn't realise that, um, that... And the acting is a good point for them. Uh, I love how it's like promoting child abuse is on par with bad writing and editing. That's great. There is nothing good to say about this other than the acting is okay. It just goes downhill from there. After watching the first episode, I will not bother watching any more. The writing is atrocious. It's funny how he misspelled atrocious when he wrote that. And the editing makes me want to scoop my eyes out with a melon baller. I can see what they are going for, but miss the mark entirely. The vile child abuse perpetrated by the main character is horrific and dressed up as heroic behaviour. Disgusting. Truly disturbing watch for all the wrong reasons. Oh, I was like... Oh, 10 out of 10. Wow, from Disco Billy. Have you, yeah, but have you read the, what he actually says? It's very, it's sarcastic. He's not. He doesn't <laughs> like it. Within the first, first 30 seconds of the show, we got the white man bad, black man good message. Almost turned it off. Only had to wait for about five minutes to get the white, white colonists were evil genocidal maniacs message. Turned it off. I love the thing below where it says seven out of 30 found this helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on that note, uh, is anything else? I reckon I'm going to be in line with the last little review there, though. I I liked it. Eight out of 10. Low budget and full of cliches, but still the personal interactions between the almost father and daughter combined with the extension to vampire law should make it fun. Others have complained about the white man's guilt thing, but such complainers are merely deflecting genuine pangs of guilt, in my humble opinion. Indigenous peoples, and this is a show about and starring Indigenous peoples, kind of don't like what whites did to them. Get over it. And enjoy the alternate perspective on a centuries-old tale. Fearless vampire hunters meets Crocodile Dundee, perhaps. No, don't do that comparison. That's bad. Anyway, well, well, I think um, AMC Plus is now live streaming in Australia and that show, I don't know how many episodes it is if they're rolling them out week per week, but at least mm. the first two episodes are currently free to air. Well, not free to air, free to whatever, fuck it, let's go to bed. They're live. They're live. They're live to stream for a subscription fee. Um, anyway, anything else you'd like to add, Billion, before we close off our first podcast in a very long time however it's a new one which purely focused on news yeah um so given that we've just picked apart five trailers knowing the australian film industry when's the next time we're going to have another five trailers to pick apart that's true to be honest this is actually very rare this year was um they made they made a lot of productions throughout this country I don't know mm. if it had, I don't know if COVID put pressures or like pressure on the film industry overseas. And that's why we got so many this year, but. And it's like of, coming into a Christmas glut, you know, they're all sort of releasing over the next mm. now to end of January. Christmas on the farm now streaming on Stan. Don't, don't mm. stream it. Don't stream it. I'd actively encourage people not to stream that film, even though I haven't seen I'll watch it. it. I know you'll watch it. You sick fuck. Anyway, well, we'll review it one day, but that day will hopefully be many years from now. Maybe after I'm dead. I don't know. But, um, you yeah. know, for, for every Christmas on the farm movie Stan makes, they also make a tram. <laughs> so I'll forgive Stan who, for that. 
you went and fucking watched without me while I was stuck on the mine for three I, and a half months. I, I couldn't wait. I was looking very forward to that film and I, it was very well received and I very well enjoyed it. That would have been a good one for us to review. Oh, we'll review it. Trust me. We will review it. But now you've got the you've got the edge. Do you've I? already seen it? And it's streaming Up on the big screen. And it's streaming now live on Stan. Hmm. Okay. All right. So as we say on the uh, podcast, oh, what the fuck? What do we just say on the podcast? Thank you for listening to another episode of Bullshit Bronchitis. We watch the Aussie films, so you don't have to. And fuck Richard Wilkins. Mm-hmm.